want to welcome everyone today, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. So good to be in God's house and worshiping King Jesus together. And also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, it's one of my favorite things that I get to do, and that is to say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry right here in Northwest Ohio at CCNO, or maybe in one of the 400 prisons across the United States, or even in the country of Belize, in the Belize Central Prison. We love you, we believe in you. Better yet, God believes in you. And so, come on, Defiance, help me welcome our church family today. It's awesome. Well, today we are in our fourth and final week of our relationship series called Revive, bringing some of our relationships back to life. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed the journey that God has had us on throughout this series. And in week number one, we talked about how important it is to make sure that we have the right people around us because we will always be a product of the people in our lives. And then in week number two, we talked about, man, if we wanna have great marriages, if we wanna have great relationships, then it starts with us because our relationships can only be as healthy as we are, right? And then last week in week number three, we, we talked about how we can open the door to the enemy in our relationships and in our marriages by, by lacking purity and walking in offense. And we talked about, man, how do we shut the door to the enemy in our lives? And if you miss any of those messages, man, I would highly recommend for you to go back and watch those because God has been doing some incredible things this month of February in our relationships. And today I want to kind of conclude this series by, by studying a, a, a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15 about a family that had some stuff, about a family that had some issues. Now, I know none of us can relate today. This is all hypothetical for us. But, but this family, man, they, they, they had some disappointments. Uh, this family had a falling out. And I, I want us to know the title of the message today is From Broken to Blessed. And the truth is, all of us have come from a broken family not because of divorce or, or even dysfunction, as real as those things are, but, but all of us have come from a broken family because of sin. And as we study this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15, it's, it's one of the most popular family stories in the entire Bible, and it's known as the prodigal son. And so let's read it together. We're going to read some scripture, so I hope you like the Bible. If you don't, you might be in the wrong place. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, reading through 24, it says, Then he, he being Jesus, Jesus is telling the story here. And Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, this, this younger son wanted his inheritance. He didn't want to wait till his, his father passed away to get what his father was going to leave to him. Even though it would have been better, even though it would have been bigger, he didn't want to wait. And so he says, Father, give me what you are going to give me. And, and we see this, this example of giving up what we want most for what we want now. And I pray we don't make that same mistake in, in our lives and in our relationships and so the father divided to them his livelihood. 
Wait a minute, he didn't just give the younger son what was he was gonna leave to him, he gave the older son too, which gives us this picture that our decisions and our choices don't just affect us. It goes on in verse 13, says, and not many days after the younger son gathered all that he had, put it all together, and he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Verse 14 says, but when he had spent all, all that he had, though there arose a severe famine in the land. When it rains, sometimes it just seems to pour. And he began to be in want. Sometimes the storms in our lives is actually the grace of God in our lives. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And this, this individual sent him into the fields with the pigs to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods and, and the slop that the, the pigs and the swine ate. And, and no one had gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have, have bread enough and, and even have so much to have some to spare? And I sit here and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And the Bible says, but when he was still a great way off. Other versions say, even when he was still a long way off. What, what a great picture of the father's love. I wonder how many of us are here today and we're still a great way off. We're still a long way off. I want us to know that, that God sees you and here's his response to you. His father saw him and had compassion. Wasn't critical, wasn't judgmental, was compassionate. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, picturing this robe of, of righteousness, not because the son earned it or even deserved it, but because the father was willing to give it. He says, and put this robe on him and then put a ring on his hand, signifying the authority that comes with the name of Jesus, the authority that came with his father's name. And then put sandals on his feet to strengthen his legs and give him the endurance and the perseverance to live out God's call or the father's plan for his life. And then the father said, bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and now he's found and they began to celebrate and be merry and as we study this this story together today i want us to see that there are four attitudes four mentalities or four stages that we see this family in and a couple of the stages brought some some brokenness into their lives but then a couple other stages brought some blessing into their lives, from broken to blessed. And my hope is for all of us today that we would see ourselves in the story. Like what stage are we in? What stage is our marriage in? What stage is our family in? What stage is our, our hearts in? 
How many of us know we don't want to just read the word, we want the word to read us? The Bible refers to itself as a mirror, this reflection that shows us our beauty, but it also shows us our blemishes too. And so as we go on this journey together, we study this story, the four four stages from broken to blessed, starting with the first stage, if you're taking notes, and that is number one, give me. Give me. Now, it's important for us to know we all start in this place. Every person, every child, every Christian, every marriage, we all start with this attitude or this mentality of give me. Let's take a look at it again in the story of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. It says, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that that falls to me. And so the father divided to them his livelihood. And so first off, just in, in practicality in our normal everyday life, every child starts out in this place. Every infant starts out in this place. In fact, one of the first words that our, our kids say when they first begin to talk outside of dada, come on somebody. All my kids said dada first, didn't they? That's how I remember it. But outside of mama or dada, the next, next word that they say is mine, right? It's mine, that's mine, give me mine, right? They don't even have to put a sentence together, but they give me mine, right? And that's okay, that, that's okay for our kids to start there, but how many of us know they just can't stay there? Like every parent desires for their child to grow out of this stage. That there might be some parents here today that are desiring for their 30-year-old children to grow out of this stage. You know, when I first became a father, something that I learned uh, early on, especially when my kids were young, is that I rarely got to do what I wanted to do. Like, my kids never came to me, uh, sometimes they do now, but definitely not back then, and came to me, Dad, what do you want to do? What do you want to do today? Right? It was always, Dad, can we do this? Dad, can we do that? Dad, I want to do this. And that's okay. We can start there, but how many we can't stay there? We have to grow out of this stage of give me. So all of us start here just as people, just as children. We also start here spiritually. Like when we become a follower of Jesus, the, the Bible says that we are born again. That in other words, that we're spiritual infants. And God's okay with us being in this place, especially as, as new Christians. Like, like God's not upset that we start out in this give me stage. In fact, many of us became a Christian, became a follower of Jesus out of selfishness, if we really think about it. Right? Our life was a mess. We had made some mistakes or we'd come to a point in our lives where we just knew that there was more to this life than what we were living and we realized that Jesus was the answer, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. And so we came before God not to do something for God, but to get something from God. And God's okay with that. How many of us know God understands us better than we even understand ourselves? And so he's okay with us starting in this place. He's just not okay with us staying in this place. That we have to grow spiritually. The Apostle Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, not in your notes. We didn't have time to study it today, but, but he's writing this, this letter to the church of Corinth, and he, and he says to them in chapter 3, when I was with you, 
I wanted to talk to you like spiritual people, but I couldn't because you were all spiritual infants. I wanted to give you meat, but instead I had to give you milk because you weren't ready and you still aren't ready. And he's, he's pleading and he's challenging and he's urging these Christians at the church of Corinth that you can't, you're still in the give me stage. You're still in the infant stage. You're still in the baby stage. We have to grow and mature and get out of this give me stage. We also, we also can start out in the give me stage in our marriages, in our relationships. The husband wants uh, his wife to, to meet his needs. The wife looks to her husband to, to meet her needs. Give me. And that's okay, don't get me wrong, God designed it in, in such a way that there are some needs that we have that our spouse can meet. But it's also important for us to know that we all have some needs that only God can meet. And if we go to our spouse, or if we look to another person to meet the needs that only God can meet, how I many we're gonna be frustrated? We're gonna be discouraged, we're gonna be disappointed, and we're gonna be walking around with unmet, unrealistic expectations. And so we all start in this give me stage. And so the first stage from broken to blessed is give me. The second stage is number two, satisfy me. Satisfy me. Now in the story of the prodigal son, this is when he left his father's house to go do something. Let's take a look at it again. Luke chapter 15, verse 13. It says, not many days after he got the goods, after he got the resource, the younger son gathered it all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, prodigal living literally means sexual, immoral living. We talked about that last week. A lack of purity opens the door to the enemy in our lives and in our relationships. But here we see in the story that the prodigal son tries to go and do something to make himself happy. How many of us have ever seen someone go through this stage? How many of us have went through this stage ourselves? We try to go and make ourselves happy. Y'all, like two of you raised your hands. I'm just telling you right now. Like it, it can happen when we're teenagers. It can happen in high school, middle school. It can happen when we're young adults. It can even happen later in life. Isn't that why they call it a midlife crisis? Now I'm going to go out and i got to make myself happy because I'm no longer fulfilled. I'm no longer content with what I have. So i got to go do something. i got to go buy something, surround myself. i got to go try this relationship. i got to go chase this person. i got to go do something to make myself happy, trying to satisfy ourselves with things that only make us more thirsty. I like to describe it as chasing a mirage where we spend all this time and energy and resource going after something only to get up to it and realize, man, it wasn't what I thought it was and it didn't give me what I was hoping for. Like what's the, what's the phrase, what's the song? Uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. You could exchange that with looking for happiness in all the wrong places. This is something that I said for so many years before I became a Christian, man, I just, I just wanna be happy. I just wanna have fun, I just wanna have a good time, I just wanna be fulfilled. Little did I know that I was looking in all the wrong places. It satisfied me. I gotta go make something happen. This is what we see in the story of the prodigal son. And in this stage of satisfy me, we could be fueled by the desire to be seen or be significant. And it's important for us to know 
we all go through this stage. We, we all wanna be seen and we all wanna feel significant. And to deny that, that that is in us is foolish. To deny that that's there would be foolish. It's how, how do we deal with that longing to be seen? How do we deal with that longing to be significant? We, we start in the stage of give me and then we move into satisfy me. A, another word to kind of help describe this stage would be fame. It's that part of us that wants to be seen and wants to feel significant. It's why social media could be so popular. Sure, we love to stay in touch and see what's going on with each other, but, but don't, don't get us wrong. There's a part of us that I just want to be seen. Look what I did today. How many people liked it? How many people double tapped on it? How many people saw it? I want to be seen. I want to feel significant. That's why we can chase success and, and sacrifice our family on the altars of success because we want to be seen we want to be significant. It's why we can surround ourselves with material things and make dumb purchases and go into debt because I just want to be seen. I want to feel significant. Oh, you, come on, you all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, have you, have you ever, I remember one time we rented a car. Justina did, I just drove it. It was like a, it's like a Mustang or it was something like a Corvette. I don't even know what it was. I'm not a big car guy, but I will drive them. And, uh, I'm gonna tell you something happened in me. I've just gotta be confess it to you today. I've not told anybody this, but I think I just need to get real today. I'm driving this Corvette and I got up to the, we rented it, I don't know where we were at, maybe Texas or something like that. And we came up to the, the stoplight and I'm sitting there and then someone else pulled up next to me. Oh no, something came over me. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I was cool. Like I got it, like something, you know what I mean? And I took off got pulled over. I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's just, it's just there. I want to be seen. I want to be significant. Look how cool I am that I'm driving this car. It's just, it's just in us, right? And we say, give me the give me stage because of selfishness. And we say, satisfy me because of selfish ambition. Paul addressed this in Philippians chapter two, verse three. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. I think it's interesting because selfish ambition is, is two words in our English language, but in the Greek language, which is what the, the New Testament of the Bible was originally written in, it's only one word. And, and whenever the Bible talks about ambition, it always attaches self to it. In other words, some of us, some of us might say, well, isn't ambition a good thing to have from time to time? Well, not according to the Bible, because ambition is always self-seeking and self-promoting. And there's a great example of this in scripture with Simon the magician, and he sees Peter and John laying hands on people, and they're getting baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at what he says to Peter and John in Acts chapter 8, verse 19. He says, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to tell you that his motives were pure, but he wanted this gift because he wanted to be seen and he wanted to feel significant. How many of us know that we can even take the things of God and make it about us? Look at me, I have this power, I have this authority, look how I blessed you. Now, we, now let's, uh, let's, let's relate this mentality to marriage. In marriage, we can start off with, with give me something. Make me, I'm looking to our spouse to make us happy. 
And then we move on to, well, you're not meeting my needs. You're not satisfying me. You're not making me happy. So now I need to go and do something to meet my own needs and for me to be happy. This, I mean, this begins a recipe for divorce. In fact, experts say on average, this happens around the 10 year mark in our marriages. We've been married 17, so we're good, babe. <laughs> Looks like we made it. But someone gets tired of their, their spouse, they're not meeting their needs, and so they go and they try to, to meet their needs and do something to find fulfillment, to try and find happiness. But happiness doesn't come from something. Happiness comes from someone. His name is Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy our souls. Only Jesus can fill the void and the longing in our hearts. And so we see in this story of the, the prodigal son, this family, that they had this give me, this give me mentality and this, this, this give me attitude. And, and when, when they weren't being fulfilled, then they moved on to, man, satisfy me. I got to go do something. I got to make something happen. I got to go sow my wild oats. I got to go do something. I got to buy this. I got to do that to, to be seen or feel significant but then we go on to this third stage, and this is when the story really begins to turn the corner for the good. And, and, and as we move from broken to blessed, the third stage is number three, search me. Now, this is when we begin to move into maturity. And in the story of the prodigal son, things started to change in this place. Luke chapter 15, verse 17 says it like this. But when he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and even to spare, and I sit here and I perish with hunger? In other words, even the servants in my father's house, even the lowest of the low have more than I do right now. Let me say it another way. When he began to search his own heart, when he began to search himself, David said it like this in Psalms 139, one of my favorite Psalms, verse 23 and 24. David prays this, this bold prayer of, of search me, God, and know my heart. How many of us know what, what David's praying here isn't for God to know his heart, but for himself to know his heart? I mean, God already knows what's going on in David's heart. God doesn't need a revelation of his heart. David does. Search me, God. Know me, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and point it out, other versions say, and lead me in the way of everlasting. In this stage, this is when we stop focusing on someone else meeting our needs or what's wrong with our spouse or what's wrong with our kids or what's wrong with someone else and we start focusing on what's wrong with us. You know, both emotional and spiritual maturity starts to show up in our lives when we stop pointing the finger at everybody else and we begin to take responsibility for our own hearts. You know, immaturity says, man, if only they would do this, if only they would do that, if only they would stop doing this, and if only they would start doing that. If only they wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't be in this place. And I think the hardest part about this is when there's some truth to it. Like when someone wrongs us, 
and we just can't get over that wrong because like, look what they did. And it's true, they did wrong us. But that's the immaturity of it, just focused on what the other person do, does. Maturity says, regardless of what someone else has done, I'm still responsible for my own heart and my own actions. The, the, the Bible says it this way, that as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with all men, live at peace with everyone. This is such a beautiful scripture, but a challenging one. Like you mean, even if I'm only 20% wrong, babe, and you're 80? Right? That's four times as much as me. This is a real life story, it happens all the time. God, you want me to not worry about her 80%? I mean, that's a B. That's the majority of it. I can miss the 20% and still pass, right? You want me not to focus on her, and you just want me to focus on the, the 20? This, this is when we start to experience blessing in our relationships. It's in this place. If I can live in this place just to focus on the 20% that I did wrong, let me own and take respons responsibility for the part that I played. Now, I know this sounds really good in a sermon, but how many of us know this is way more difficult to do in real life? But it's truth, and it brings life. I love to tell you that I always focus on the 20, but the reality is I tend to focus on the 80. When it's her 80. And when it's my 80, I focus on her 20. I got it down good. But it doesn't help. But if we want our marriages, if we want our relationships, if we want our families to thrive and be all that God has designed them to be, then it starts with us having this mentality, this, this attitude, search me. Not search them, God, but search me. And then the truth, truth is, if I can just get really honest uh, today, uh, even as a parent or as a husband, when my, my kids aren't acting the way I want them to act, or I think they should act, or they should act, God would want them to act this way. Or if there's tension in my marriage, in our relationship, the, the, the truth is, it has a lot more to do with me than I'd like to admit. The truth is, if I would just take a step back and go, man, how am I talking to my spouse? How did I just come across? What did I just say? I was critical, I was harsh, I was judgmental. Isn't it amazing how we would never talk to strangers some of the ways we talk to our spouses? We just take them for granted and we just kind of spew. Wait, wait a minute, how am I talk, treating my, my kid? Am I just critical and criticizing them and complaining about my children all the time? What am I doing? When's the last time I prayed with them? When's the last time I spoke something into them? When's the last time I studied God's word with them? When's the last time I encouraged them? And, I, and as I start to go down this road a little bit, I can't go down there too much because it hurts too bad, right? I gotta pull over and take a break. But as I go down this road, I realize, man, maybe, maybe the reason my marriage isn't the way I want it to be or my home isn't the way it needs to be is because of the way I've been. Search me, God. Search me. You know, for the longest time, I used to bring my, my grievances to God. God, did you see what they did? Get them. Do you ever pray that prayer? Who's, who's prayed that prayer besides me? I'll release them to you guys. Get them. I'm going to watch. I'm going to stay close. I'm going to follow them around until you get them. That lightning bolt gets them. God, whatever you want to do. Make them go bankrupt. Do it, God. 
or bring my grievances to God and say, did you see what they did? Did you see how they, they wronged me? But, but maturity is when we stop telling God to look at what they did and we start saying, God, search me. Search my heart. Everybody say search. It kind of reminded me when I was just thinking about this point of a time uh, when my, my oldest son, Jace, he's 13 now, but when he was like three years old, we were walking in a crowd and Justina was with our daughter, Tessa, who was one at the time, and we weren't together. And so I had Jace with me and she had Tessa with her. And we're in this crowd of like, like a few hundred people, a lot of people, and we're just walking. And I was kind of a new parent there. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. So I, nowadays I would like grab their hand and walk through the crowd but I didn't know what I was doing, so I just like, stay next to me, buddy. Like that works with a three-year-old, just so you know. <laughs> stay with, and I would keep looking down, stay with me, stay with me, you know? And he was there one minute, and then you know the story's going. I look back down, crap, where'd he go? You know, did you think I went and found Justina? Heck no, no, I'm leaving. I, if I don't find him, I'm not, I'm not going back with her. I'm not going home until I find him. But I remember like looking around, like, man, where is he? And I wasn't too worried about it. I'm like, he couldn't have gone far. I just saw him a couple minutes ago. I think he was there. But as the minutes went by, that seemed like hours, the panic, come on, the panic started to, to rise up. I started to get a little frantic and I'm, I'm looking around. And uh, as time went on, I thought, man, I'm not, maybe I'm not gonna find him. Then you start going worst case scenario. What if the guy in the ski mask with the van with no windows on and grabbed him? You go there as a parent, like what happened to him? And come to find out he had just saw some, some kids playing with a ball in the crowd and he ran over to him and he was playing ball with these kids. And so I was like, good job, bud, good job. <laughs> We're ball players. We're athletes. And then after I found him, then we went and I told Justina later when she was happy and it was good, you know? <laughs> no big deal. But I started thinking about that and I just, I wanted to ask, I asked myself this question, as it relates to these four stages we're talking about, as it relates to, to this search me stage, and, and that is how diligently are we searching our own hearts? I started thinking about how, I, man, how, get out of my way, I'm gonna find this kid, I don't care about anything, I'm gonna find Jace. I thought, man, do I search my own heart that way? In fact, if we were just to ask ourselves the question today, man, what's the condition of our hearts? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst, What's the condition of your heart today? What's the condition of your family today? What's the condition of your marriage? What's the condition of your, your relationships? What's the condition of your relationship with God? What's the condition of our hearts? Because, because that's what David is praying in Psalm 139. Search my heart. In fact, something that I've learned over the years, um, dealing with offense, and, and that is not being offended, but living offended. How many know there's a difference? Jesus said, when offense comes, so we're all gonna deal with offense, but we don't have to live there. And so something that I, I've noticed in my own life that when I start to live in offense, there's a good chance if we're living in offense, we're consumed with what someone else did and we've lost sight of the condition of our own hearts. Every time, every time I think about that person, if all I can see is what they've done and I don't even know what I've done, I've lost sight of the, the truth of search me, God. The fourth stage in this journey from, from broken to blessed, if you're taking notes, is number four, use me. <clears throat> use me. You see, we start in this give me stage and then we, we move to satisfy me and 
then we start really turning the corner from broken to blessed when we start praying and saying things like, God, God, search me. We want our hearts to be pure before you and before others. And then we move on to use me. Let's take a look at it in the prodigal son's life. Luke chapter 15, verse 19. Talking to his father, he says, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me, use me, make me like one of your hired servants. This is a powerful posture that this son takes. Here he's saying, I know I'm your son, but make me a servant. I've, I've lived in this house so long and I've never had a servant's heart. I've never had a servant's attitude. Use me. And I started thinking about some of the powerful, the most powerful postures that we can take in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages. And it's the posture of a servant. Like, instead of focusing on what my spouse should or shouldn't do, when's the last time I just focus on how can I serve her? How can I serve them? If you're a student here today, maybe a young adult, when was the last time our parents didn't have to ask us to do something? Now I'm preaching. Let's go. <laughs> right? When's the last time you just went and did the dishes or went and picked up your room or just, you know, they do, my parents do so much for me. Let me just serve this house. Let me just serve this. I take so much for granted. Why don't I approach it with this servant's heart and just be a blessing to the people who love me and have given everything for me, right? If we would take this, how many of this brings a, this stage brings a blessing into our families, a blessing into our marriages. And so, now it's important for us to know as we talked about those four stages that we can be at, I mean, we can be at stage four and we can drift back to stage one. Like, it's not like, man, I've been a Christian for 75 years, I just live on stage four. No, it's not how it works. That, that we, we can struggle with the stage one and stage two mentality. And so we, that's why stage three is so important. Search me, God. Because I can become selfish real quick. Search me, God, and know me. Know my heart. And as we study this, this prodigal son's story. Sometimes, I think sometimes we, we can have the tendency to say, you know, I've never gone that far into sin. I, I've never turned my back on God like that. Like, like my, my life isn't that bad. If you, if you ever said that, that, that same thing to yourself, I want us to remember how Jesus started the story. He said a father had two sons. And the older son actually had the same attitude as the younger. Even though he had never left his father's house, even though he had never gone that far into sin, even though he didn't waste his inheritance on prodigal living, he had the same attitude as the younger son, give me, which is where we all start. And I want us to look at what the older son says. Remember, the younger son has returned. The father throws the biggest party and is celebrating. And now the older, older son doesn't want to go into the party, doesn't want to celebrate. Luke chapter 15, verse 29. And so he, he answered and said to his father, like, why don't you come into the party? Why don't we celebrate your, your younger brother's home? He's back. 
And he said, lo, these many years I have been serving you, dad, and I never transgress your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. In other words, he, he looked like he was doing all the right things, but his heart was still in the wrong place. How many know our marriages and our families can look good on the outside, but behind closed doors, we can still have some stuff. We can still have some issues. And it's not until we go to this point, search me, search me, God, use me. Let me be a servant to my family. Let me be a servant to my spouse. Let me be a servant to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I've made this whole thing about me. I've come into church and I don't like the lights and I don't like this and I don't like that. And they're sitting in my seat. Why don't I just get back? It's never been about me anyways, God. And I just came to serve you and honor you and worship you because you're worthy of it all. Look at the response the father gives as we close today. Luke chapter 15, verse 31. The father said to him, son, you're always with me. Don't you, don't you see? You have the greatest gift. You're always in my house. You're always in my presence. You've started to take it for granted, son. I don't ever want to take God's presence for granted. I don't want to ever take the people of God for granted. And he says, all that I have is yours. The answer to this maturing process and, and growing out of the give me stage and into the search me and use me stages is understanding that it's not about what God can give us or even do for us. It's about simply being in his house, being with the Father, because when we're with him, we have access to everything that he has. So as we close today, where are we at in the story? What stage are we on today? What stage is our marriage in? Is it in the give me stage, the satisfy me stage? Maybe we need to get to the search me stage. Use me. What stage is our family in? Students, young adults, what stage are you in in your family? Give me or use me. What stage is our hearts in today? Just our relationship with God. We still give me. It's okay to start there, but how many know we can't stay there? God wants to bring some of our relationships back to life. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you in this place, God. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that your word's like a mirror. This reflection looking back at us, and it shows us our beauty, but it also allows us to see some of our blemishes. So as we're praying together today, just pray this in your heart. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? What's my next step? I want to be a doer of your word, not just a hearer. As we're praying together today, maybe you would say that 
you're in the satisfy me stage. Maybe there's some things that you've been chasing. There's been some things that you've been going after that haven't satisfied you. It's only made you more thirsty. Maybe there's some, some sin that you've been involved in. And today, God wants you to get right with him. If you would say, man, I don't, I, when it comes to my relationship with God, I don't really have one. Or I used to, to walk with God, but I've drifted. Today, I'm ready to come back home to my father's house. Maybe there's some prodigal sons and daughters in the house today or watching online. I want to give you an opportunity to come to yourself, to search your heart, to realize better one day in his house than a thousand elsewhere. I'm ready to come back home. Every head bowed, every head closed. If that's you, if you, if you would say, I, I want to have a relationship with God. God, here's my heart, what you've always wanted. Would you just lift your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender to King Jesus? Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in a jail cell right now. You need to know God loves you. He has a plan for you. And it starts with a surrender. Here's my life. Right where you're at, would you just pray this with me? Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at and loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me today. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live my life. My heart is yours. As we continue praying together today, maybe you're here and when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your family, you recognize you're in the give me stage, the satisfy me stage. There needs to be some adjustments that you make in your attitude and in your mentality, focusing on what the other person needs to do instead of focusing on what we need to do. If that's you, I wanna pray for your marriage, I wanna pray for your family. That you would make the decision to say, search me, use me. That's you, would you be so bold to lift your hand to heaven? Here I am. I want God to bless my family. Here I am. I want God to bless my marriage. Here I am. Let it start with me. Search me today, God. Let me make some adjustments in my own attitude. Father, you see the hands. You know the, the stories. You know the families. You know what we're going through. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to say yes to you. To pray that bold prayer. Search us, God. Know us point out anything in us that doesn't belong, that's offensive, and lead us on the way everlasting. Let us have a servant's heart today. Let us serve our parents. Let us serve our spouse. Let us serve one another. Let us serve you, God. As we make this journey from broken to blessed, we love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good.